Today I want to answer the question, how are we as believers, as this bride of Christ we talked about last week, how are we to live while we're waiting for His return? What is it we're to be doing? The question is, what is it, what are we producing as a church? What are we trying to accomplish as a Christian? What does God expect? What does God want us to give our time to? Well, that's what I'm going to try to answer today as we are in the period when the bridegroom went away. He went away to prepare a place for us. Remember the wedding, the wedding room? He went there to prepare that place and he'll come again. I know it's been 2,000 years, right? Plus, since he's been gone. But for the Lord, 1,000 years is like a day, right? So he's been gone a couple days from his perspective. And he's been preparing this place for this bride. And But during that time, we know that the bride is to consecrate herself. She is to get ready and be prepared for the time that the Lord comes back or the husband comes back. And I want us to answer the question, well, what should we be doing? What does it look like that, of our life? And so that's what we're going to try to look at. It's in Second Peter, if you'll get your Bibles and turn there with me. It's a road map for how to live until the Lord returns. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. <clears throat> His divine power, let's stand please in honor of the word, sorry. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. He's wanting us to learn how to live in victory here and to be prepared for when He comes. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to those to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive, unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Lord, we ask you today to take this message and through the power of your spirit, God, now interpret these words to every heart. You would speak to us, Lord, not, just, uh, not to just instruct our minds, but to change our heart and have, let us have a better understanding of what you want us to be focused on while we're waiting for your return. Thank you, Jesus, that we do have the that sure hope that one day soon you're going to come back and call your bride to be with you. Let us all be prepared. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So in that passage, call out to me what's the very first thing we do. Somebody look it up and just say it. What's the first thing we do? Okay. The, before you add anything, what's the first thing that has to be there? Faith. All right. 
Let's look at faith for just a minute. Hebrews says it like this, that faith is the essence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is not an easy concept. It's trusting the Lord when the storm's all about you. It's trusting the Lord when the doctor gives you this diagnosis. It's trusting the Lord when your finances just hit the floor. It's trusting the Lord when in any of these situations where we say, my God is strong, capable, his word is true, I find my, my full protection and provision in him, I'm going to stand in this position trusting the Lord. Because everything within me at that moment is yelling, is crying, is whining, is saying, why me God, and all my old flesh things are yelling back. And, but faith says, no, my God is, is God, and when the days are good, when it's shiny sun, and the days are good when it's rainy and stormy because he is faithful. He's true, he's just. Faith is not an easy thing. But this is assuming that faith is the first thing that we have. And we need to increase this in measures. Now how do we get this faith? Paul says this, or the Romans writer says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as you hear it, uh, we're, this is a process for us to develop more belief, more faith. All right, I found in Scripture there's several different kinds of faith, but I'm going to give you three options today, and you can kind of evaluate where you are on the faith scale. The first one that he would, we've had record of when, this, when the Lord would say, this person or this situation had no faith. And that's the first stage is, faith, is no faith. It does not believe in God It does not believe in his word and does not believe that he is faithful to what he said. No faith. Then this story, you'll know it in Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. And they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also others, boats, that were with him. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was at the stem, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The wind immediately died down and it was completely calm. Now watch this. He said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? There's a category of no faith. They were followers of Jesus. These disciples had left everything to follow him. And yet when it came into a stormy environment, a stormy situation, a couple of evidences started seeing in their life. First of all, they start accusing God. How many of you don't raise your hand? In a bad time, got mad at God. Stuck your fist up in the air. I have too. But what it is evidence of? No faith. And you see what the second element of no faith is? Fear. Total wiped out fear. So I want you to get those two things that are a result of no faith. Now I want to move up a little bit. Now he said there is a concept called little faith. Now this little faith believes God, believes that he is good, and it's, but they're not convinced that he will be faithful to what he said. 
We believe that God is good, and we believe that God will or can answer prayer, but I doubt that he will answer it on my behalf. That's little faith. And here was the story that he used in little faith in Matthew 17, 14. A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. He said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said, he has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse, which means deliberately obstinate generation. Jesus replied, how long will I stay with you? How long will I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Bring him here. Jesus rebuked a demon that was in the boy. It came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples met with Jesus shortly after that privately and they said, why couldn't we do that? You gave us the authority to do that when you sent us out originally but we came up against this situation and we cannot, we couldn't address this. It was bigger than us. We were hopeless. Jesus replied, because you have little faith. Little faith believes God can. We're just not sure that he will. Then he went on to say, you can have this little faith. And if you'll just practice this little faith, Jesus said, you can say, and I underline this in my scripture. It kind of, I don't, every time I go through one of these, something new comes out to me. But it, in the scripture, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. Did you notice how he said that? If you have little faith, I mean, not much, but you have some, you still have enough authority of the kingdom of God in you to say to a mountain, move out of the way. And it's not, did you notice I get nervous about this, honestly, because it's not praying, God, would you move the mountain? Do you see it? He's saying all you have to do is you say, mountain, move, and that'll move out of your way. So how many of, how many of us are little faith because I felt skepticism jumped real high right there at that last minute? Maybe it was mine <laughs> that jumped. But that's the reality of little faith. We believe that he can, that he's good. We're just not sure that he will. That's little faith. <clears throat> what is the evidence of little faith? Unbelief, yes. Now we cover it up with belief. And we'll even teach the Bible. And we'll teach scripture and we'll, we'll read it and we'll do devotions on it. Because <clears throat> we, we like scripture and we believe it. But when it comes to the reality, can God touch this situation, solve this problem is God willing? Is God able? Is he powerful? Does he care? Is he here? <clears throat> and it's an unwillingness to trust God, his word, and his unlimited power. We know he can, we just don't think that he will. No faith? Are you above that one? Little faith? Are you struggling there? And then there's the next category we're going to look at is great faith. This believes God. It believes that God is good. It believes that his word that he has given to us is sure. There's no doubt. There's no question. There's no uh, justifying, uh, rationalizing, 
getting away from, I mean, explaining away why God doesn't or can't. It is simply taking God's word as his will and that we trust his word as it has been given, as we understand it. And by faith, we know that he is good and so he will fulfill what he just said. That's called great faith. Matthew 15, 21. A Canaanite woman from Tyre and Sidon, not a, not a Jew, not an Israelite, not a chosen people. This was a, a Canaanite. Uh, a, we, w- we would have called those people you don't associate with kind of people. And a Canaanite woman from Tyre and Sidon came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. We've explained that away now. Do you understand that we do deal with people that are possessed by the demonic? Controlled, because that's when the scripture says we're not wrestling against flesh and blood people. Powers and principalities, authorities in high places. There are, there's a spiritual war. I know we in our scientific America we've kind of rationalized that away, but most of the time when Jesus dealt with a sickness situation, did you notice most of the time it has to do with demonic? He speaks to the demon, come out. He doesn't even have to deal with any of the, the uh, physical nature, the, the seizure, because it was demonically motivated. And he got rid of that, and so we have this immediate healing. How's your faith? She went on to say, <clears throat> she kept going after him, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And uh, Jesus didn't answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, get her away. She's coming after us. We're tired of hearing her ask us. Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Remember that? That wouldn't make sense unless you remembered last week. The lost sheep is the, is the divorced Israel, the bride. He said, I came to get divorced Israel and I'm going to bring her back into a, a bride with me. This woman came and got right before Jesus, knelt down on the ground before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, this is, this is hard. He said, it's not right to take the children's bread, his chosen, and toss it to their dogs. Whew, rough line. She said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your your request is granted. And her daughter was healed that very hour. No faith. Little faith. Great faith. What's the elements? What, What made it different here with this great faith? First of all, she called out to the one who was her only help. It was her only source. The Lord. She knew he was the only source. The second thing is, where did, you, where did she find herself? On her face before him. Humiliated. She would humiliate herself before the Lord to humble herself. And said, Lord, you are the only one that is the solution to my problems. Even we non-Israel dogs, Gentiles. Notice, tenacity does not give up. Great faith is, has a tenacity that won't quit. She kept coming back. She kept coming back. Saying, Lord, you're my only 
hope. And she had many reasons to quit. When the Lord said, you're not of my chosen, you're one of the Gentile dogs, that's a reason to quit. The disciples got tired of hearing her ask for requests. That's a reason to quit because it wasn't popular. She was not going to quit because she knew he was the answer. Tenacious. What has to do with great faith. What's the result of great faith and tenacity? Jesus healed her. And he spoke of a a Canaanite woman. You have great faith. You know the other time he said great faith? It was a, a Roman centurion. Remember that story? He had one sick at home and he came and he said, Lord, would you come to my house and or would you heal my, was that a daughter or a son? Son, come and heal my son. And then the, this uh, centurion, uh, a military leader over a hundred troops, said to him, Lord, you don't need to come to my house. All you have to do is say the word because you have the authority and everything obeys you. He understood that. He said, because I'm a centurion, I say to those who are under me, you do this and do that, and they do it because of authority. So you don't even have to come. You don't have to put your hand on him. You don't have to touch him. All you have to do is say, healed, and he's healed. You know what he told that centurion? You have great faith. Trusting in God's word without hesitance, without holding back, without making excuse, without watering down who this God is without trying to cover up for all of his weaknesses and failures. It's God, is, God is God, his word is true, and he will always fulfill his word. That's great faith. And it's, ten, it's a tenacious holding on to that when everything around it says no. It's easy when immediately the person in the wheelchair and we pray and she gets up out of that wheelchair. That's awesome. I mean, give me a lot of that. I'll be, I'd love to be a part of that. Just to see that happen over and over and over and over. You know, wheelchairs left in the altar and crutches left in an altar and uh, alcohol bottles set on the, on the front of the altar because they're no longer addicted. The chains are broken. I want, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want to be a part of. Because God says he will do that. He says he came to set us free, heal us from our sin nature. He said that he had... He will transform us from the cursed kind of person to a person who is blessed, living in covenant with God. That's the one I want. That's the kind of religion, if you would call it, I want. And honestly, I don't want anything less than that. Great faith. A few months ago, we walked 12 neighborhoods. Remember that? How many of you ever thought in the midst of that walk, this is really dumb? Why are we out here? Because some of those people are saying, what are you doing in my neighborhood? Get out of here. Others said, you're praying for us? That's awesome. Thank you. And we did that by faith. Because the scripture says to pray without ceasing. Let our requests be made known. And I just want to tell you what happened last week in regard to that. Because we've been waiting to try to figure out, Lord, what are you going to do with that? I got a call from Christy. Um, what's this neighborhood? Fulbright Springs. <clears throat> Christy came, made an appointment to come and see me. That's one of those we prayed over, right? 
Christy came in. She's now the new social person over that entire 70 homes. 51 homes have our young families with children. So children's ministry. Got a big deal happening there if we have it. And she came and said, we're open. What, what can you do? What would you like to do for our neighborhoods? I said, well, we want to work with you and figure out what we can best do. But she came to us, okay? We prayed that the Lord would open up opportunities. Do you remember that? That one's wide open. We were praying and we chose Hillcrest as our high school, as a church family, to try to focus on ministry into that school. This past week, um, the vice principal met with Kara and had the very same type of message. Our door, we're open to you. If you have some people that can go and take a broom and just walk up and down the halls like you're cleaning it and just pray over the halls, pray over the rooms. Bring them on. We'll put them, we'll give them a broom and they can just pray around the, oh my goodness. This is a vice principal who said, come in. Uh, we, We are in a very dark place, he said. Our school is very dark. But I'm opening it up to you elements of light where you can come in. If you can give us some ideas, he said, we'll figure out how to implement that into this school. That's in America today. That's weird. You wonder why we were praying and what God is going to do? That's just the first two and that just happened last week. But we prayed over 12 neighborhoods, didn't we? I'm going to expect those going to be more and more and more and more openings. So I hope it's going to put us to a test, really. Do we really want that opened up to us? And are we willing to go push a broom once a week? Or sit and have lunch at, a, at Watkins with, with some kids once a week? Are we willing to actually break out of our, our norm in order to start taking the light into those communities? Here's the deal. We prayed, so we better get ready. Because God always hears and God always answers. Especially when we're praying in accordance with His will. And we know reaching these areas, taking the light into darkness, is God's call for us. Amen? And it takes laborers in the field. I was going to go on with goodness and knowledge, and this is all good stuff. Self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. But I really feel like we need to exercise faith. Vicki, why don't you come on up? We may do the rest of those next week. I don't know. Here's what I know. Many of us are living if this is God's plan or call for us. Our impact for his kingdom while on this planet, which you understand this world is a foreign territory for believers. It's contrary it's against you and it's going to increase as of last Sunday you know the shooter walked in the back door and killed a whole bunch of folks in a church for security we're locking doors during service we have we have some armed people here to protect us but that won't stop evil you understand right 
we'll do all we can to keep us safe. But what I'm telling you is we've got, we've got people in this room that this is the call of God on your life. And we're living here because of no faith or little faith. We're dealing with this ongoing situation in our heart and in our life because we know he's good, but we just don't think he will do it for us. If I understand what this is saying, what Peter is saying, while we're waiting for the Lord to come back, while we're waiting for the groom to come, I need you to build faith that's unwavering. Not in a man, not in a domination, not in a building, but in Jesus and he alone. His word. And when, and when you know his word, that's why we need to get into, you add to this knowledge where you need to know God's word. Because if you just believe in anything, well, that makes you an idiot. But if you believe in specifically the promises of God, it means wisdom. And you can stand when the storm comes or when the guy comes in. You know, <laughs> I heard the story this week. There was a man after that whole tragedy and people were coming in to follow up and he was sitting in a chair worshiping the Lord. Faith. Because 30 of 50 went home to be with the Lord that day. That was their homecoming. But many of us are living at such a lower level because of the curse, what people said about you. And you've let that rule your life. You're no good. You never will be. You're too dumb. You're too smart. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too whatever. Whatever they've said. And it's held you down. Faith says, Lord, I believe you. I believe you're able. I believe you're able to create in me the image you want me to have. So I'm going to bring my broken image to you today by faith. And I'm going to trust you, Lord, to restore me to the place you want me to be. Mental. Could be relational. Could be some area of bondage. Sin bondage. Flesh bondage. Mental bondage. They sing a song today, our chains have been broken. We've been set free. We sing it, but do we live it? I guess, uh, and I just feel like we need to, to uh, experience faith. And you're not coming to a church, you're not coming to a preacher, you're coming to stand before your Lord and Savior. And you bring whatever it is that keeps you here. Physical, yes, I still believe it's, he can heal. Demonic, yes, I still deal with people who have demonic oppression in their life. It manifests itself in different ways, but when you see what it's doing, it's twisting, stealing, killing, and destroying, you know exactly where it's coming from. So, here today, if you would like to take, turn no faith into little faith, Lord says all you have to do is say, move mountain, and it'll move. Or if you want to go from little faith to great faith, you come and say, Lord, I'm bringing you my, what I have, which is not much, but I'm going to ask you, Lord, to remove, restore, clean, heal, fix, set free, whatever it is. And if it's, and all I'm going, all I'm going to do is this. If you want something different and you want God to move in your life, we're going to just do a little trial of faith. So if you need to come, come just make a line across here. 
and you just begin to wait for the Lord. We're going to ask him to do a work in our presence today.